Rookie Fever, the show that looks closely at NFL rookie values all year long. The Rookie Fever Podcast. We just having fun and we working, baby. That's it, baby. They come. And welcome to the Rookie Fever Podcast. I am Mike, the feverish Fenero, and I am bringing you another 2023 rookie player profile. But you know I'm not doing it solo. I brought out the big guns. That's right. I have the lead college football NFL draft analyst for NBC Sports with me tonight. You heard me right. Eric Froton of NBC Sports is sharing the mic with us on Rookie Fever. You can find him on Twitter at CF Froton. Eric, how the hell are you? I'm doing well, Fanaro. Thank you very much for having me on, sir. As always, it's good to get to see you at the Fantasy Football Expo, which I'm sure I'll get to see you again this year. You will. And uh, and to get to chop it up with with one, uh, one of our favorite players here. Yeah, draft. I bet you can't wait. I got to ask you a question real quick, because I know you've been playing college fantasy football for a long time. How long yes, have you sir. been playing? How long have you been playing college fantasy football? Oh, sure. Well, this uh, this will be year 23. My first year was 2001. Uh, my first ever college fantasy football draft selection was Luke Staley, former running back for Brigham Young University. He was an All-American in 2001. And at 227 pounds, ran a 4-4-3-40, which had him projected to be maybe you see the next Mike Allstott. Unfortunately, shoulder injuries uh, sapped us of any potential NFL uh, greatness. Uh, Luke Staley, he was drafted in the seventh round by the Detroit Lions. But uh, more importantly, Luke Staley won the Nordic Gods their first ever NCAAF championship. And, uh, and from there, I am, I am literally sitting here because of that draft and because of college fantasy football, and I love it. And I've been, been lucky enough to get to talk about it now. What a, what a vivid memory of that. That's awesome. That oh, cool. it was like yesterday, Panaro. It was a magical <laughs> experience, as you might imagine. You know, what was your first year playing, uh, playing pro fantasy football? Yeah, so 25, 25 years I've been playing See? fantasy football and uh just just this past year uh 2022 got into two c2c leagues so that's my that's my first foray yeah my first foray into the uh into the the college side of fantasy football it has been a challenge but there are so many great people like yourself out there willing to give you some advice some pointers some you know which player that or that player uh just so many great names and uh it's such a growing format so are you ready to get into this rookie player profile oh let's go nice let's go buddy rookie fevers player profile edition <laughs> all right please tell our listeners who you chose and why eric all right well first off when i went to look at the cast of characters that i had to sort <laughs> from mr finero here had done a great job of filling most of the dance <laughs> card yeah there's a lot so of players I didn't, I didn't have a lot of guys so i was like oh man what do we got but as i went through the the 20 to 25 or so players that were already uh spoken for I noticed that Mr. Zay Flowers was unaccounted for it. The 25 players were taking no Zay Flowers? Oh, my gosh. Well, in accordance, it might be March, but I always like to subscribe by the theory. April showers bring Zay 
hours. <laughs> I love so it. So here I am. My I friend. love it. So j- coming in at just 5'9", 182 pounds. Last year, 78 catches, 1,077 yards, and 12 touchdowns. What do you think of Flowers' combine numbers? 442? Not bad, right? A 442 is excellent. I mean, his 153 10 yard split was really, really good. I mean, that's a 91st percentile. Both are 91st percentile marks. Um, but uh, yeah, that's what we want to see out of Zay because, you know, you say a little small at 182. However, you got to remember, College Zay was built at 510 172. Exactly. I saw that. 172. I saw that. So if you see the before and after pictures of Zay Flowers, uh, where, you know, yeah, I forget when the original was taken, like before the like towards the end of the season and where he was at the combine, he has put on 10 pounds of legitimate muscle. And nice. anytime you hear a guy, okay, he's coming at 10 pounds heavier than listed. First off, that's hold on. That's, that's not right. It's always you're you're shorter and you're lighter than what's right. being billed. <laughs> right. Um, and then uh, when he comes out 10 pounds heavier, not just five pounds, he comes at 10 pounds heavier and he still manages to run a four, four, two, that really with with the good solid 1.53 10 yard burst that's that really quells a lot of those concerns um so it. and the fact when you look at him with the shirt off he's absolutely jiggity jiggity jacked <laughs> at 182 <laughs> it all it all comes into play and and I, I feel like he uh he had a nice combine even though he didn't do the agility testing that's awesome so that, that sounds like a guy that's taking it really seriously so i i think that's a green flag so i took a look at your recently posted 2023 post combine rookie rankings and i peeked down and saw mr zay flowers as your wide receiver too did i get that's that right. right that's right dropping a deuce on mr flowers <laughs> that's right <laughs> so what puts him above addison and quentin johnson for you Sure. Well, I mean, we talk about the combine. Uh, I yep. would say that in addition to your boy, the the big bad booty daddy, <laughs> uh, I would say that Jordan Addison is probably number two with a bullet when it comes to wide receivers and disappointing testing numbers because he uh, he was originally aligned. The market o- opened him at so like four three eight, you know, four three seven, four three eight. Uh, that quickly corrected up to four four, and and eventually four four three, where it settled. Comes in at a four four nine, which okay, that's that's not bad. But when you factor in that he's one hundred and seventy three pounds, and he's five eleven, and he's he's extremely light, you know, that's that's um, that sub one seventy five genre of wideout really started with Devonte Smith, who it's almost not fair kind of considering him in that mold because his arms are freakishly long. It really helps him in that contested catch. And he does a great job catching outside of his frame. So Devonte Smith is like the gold standard, but there really aren't a lot of wide receivers. If you look historically under 75 pounds, that would be able to really thrive. But given we are in a new era, uh, the passing game is so much more important. Just creating separation off the breaks is becoming, you know, the, the most important trait you can have as a wideout. And that's why Jackson Smith and Jigba, you see on most lists, he's number one, because even if he doesn't have that high end take the top off speed, he is in a box just brutal to take care of those whip routes. I mean, he's incredible. So um, that sort of a skill set is being prioritized. And the guys who are, 175 and under are the ones who can change direction. Mm-hmm. You know, it isn't just ramping up. Who can ramp down and cut 
and uh, and be able to separate off a break. So with that skill set being more and more important, that's why we're seeing, and this class is a very good example of it, a lot of lighter wide receivers. Some of the best, three of the top five best receivers, in my opinion, are on the smaller side uh, from this class. Yeah, they really are. And so I feel like you can't mention Zay Flowers without using the word shifty or twitchy. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, yeah. But my number one thing, the thing that I look for in Dynasty coming in, and I've learned this over time, is just route running skills in general. I feel like that 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 is the quickest way to go from Saturday to Sunday. And I just wanted to get your eyes on it real quick. What do you think about him being a shifty, twitchy guy as a route runner, in your opinion? Well, he... He split uh, his first season, you know, it was pretty much 50 50 mm-hmm. when it came to being in the slot or being out wide. And he also logged 20, 22 carries, it should be 27 carries. Oh, wow. For 195 yards, 7.2 yards per carry. Because um, you got to remember, as a freshman, he's coming in, he was recruited by Steve Adazio, who was no longer the, the coach at BC, obviously. Um, but he is, he was renowned for being one of the least creative coaches. In all of Power Five football, he was just, it was three yards and a cloud of dust behind A.J. Dillon, the Green Bay Packers. Yep. You know, him in his big old thighs, 240 pounds, just <laughs> bludgeoning his way through the line. I felt bad for poor A.J. Dillon, man. He put a lot of years on the poor guy, <laughs> just, just running him in a line. And then using uh, Anthony Brown, who then transferred to Oregon uh, for his final season, just, just sort of throwing up go balls to Kobe White and then, and it comes a flowers and they used him Adazio in a manner that he had never used anyone before or since, frankly, because he ended up going over to Colorado state where he went and coached his way out of a job after one year, he was horrible in game coach. So he, you know, this is not a guy who's creative. They made sure they got Zay Flowers the ball in every facet of the game. He's an all-purpose weapon. Obviously, he was returning kicks. He was returning punts. He was getting carries. Um, he was, you know, they were getting him sort of manufactured touches his freshman year. But then, you know, for his last three years, you saw him. He was in the, the, the out wide 67, yeah. 70% of the time because he's simply too dynamic just to play in the slot. Like, it's a mismatch wherever you put him. But when you put him on the outside, he has that ability to kind of create and – to be able to be isolated and have kind of more one-on-ones as opposed to dealing with layers of defenders in that slot. And he really did well because if you put him on the outside and you make somebody have to stay with him, one, he's fast, as we saw, but two, he's always under control. Even when he's at full speed, top speed, tracking the ball downfield, he's always under control. And, and that's important because as you saw it a lot in his tape, he didn't deal with, with elite quarterback play at Boston College. Okay, you know, uh, he had Phil Dracovic was a transfer from Notre Dame. Uh, he was a former borderline five-star, but he got beat out by Ian Book, who was in a, a seventh rounder a couple of years ago. And uh, it just never really flourished, went over to BC, and he just isn't that good. He's, a, he's okay. But, you know, he's on his third school. He's at Pitt now. He already left BC because he was taken over by a true freshman, Emmett Moorhead. So, like, in terms of quarterback play, it was very poor. Um, and that was just in 2020. Then 2021 comes around, and as as – okay as as Dracovic was he goes and in the second game of the season against UMass who who is uh, just one of the worst programs if not no I'll say it I'll say it the worst program in 2021 in all of FBS football was UMass he Dracovic gets hurt hurts his finger can't throw for the rest of the year he was out 
And you have a fifth-year backup in Dennis Grossell, who's a dual-threat quarterback that really was a single threat who just ran the ball. And he's throwing it to Zay Flowers, so his numbers take a dump in, in 2021, too. So you have to understand. And then Jerkovic in 2022, excuse me, that was 2021. And then this past year, Jerkovic goes for a few few games, uh, gets banged up again, gets taken over by a true freshman in Emmett Moorhead, and he goes out the door to pit. So, like – the whole situation wow. he had at BC was very, very, very poor quarterback play. It was, you know, uh, it was turnover from one uh, sort of milk toast, if not completely uninspiring staff, to uh, another one kind of trying to establish themselves. And, and you know, Frank Signetti left. He was in pit. It, it was kind of – it was a lot of turnover. And despite that, uh, Zay Flowers w- was excellent. So the point is they, they figured out very quickly they had to try to game plan him. The ball, and unlike a guy like a Kadarius Tony, um, who was purely manufactured touches, you could use him on the outside. And when those balls would be underthrown by poor quarterbacks, so they would be off target, you see Flowers have to, you know, with you know exceptional uh, ball tracking, he'd have to adjust to those balls very often. And uh, you see the way that he'd be able to manipulate defenders, even at that top of the route stem, you know, that third phase, uh, and be able to pull in those balls on the outside, which, frankly, it, it takes a lot of body control, savvy, you know, ball tracking to be able to do that. And he has the agility and just the uh, overall awareness uh, to be able to manipulate his defender in that way. So that's why he'd be able to go outside more and uh, why, even though he had a tumultuous situation at BC, still threat. Yeah, so again, just overcoming odds. I love that's another great character trait I love. So you nailed it. 66% of the time he was on the outside last year. At his size, okay, I get it. I get totally in college using him inside, outside. At his size, at least in the first couple of years, is he going to be regulated to the slot? I'm not trying to say that's even a bad thing, but does that just, just add up in your head? Or are you really not worried about the size? Is he just that crafty? Well, I mean, you know, there are certain limitations to being five, sure. nine and a quarter. Sure. Uh, that there's certain realities where you're going to be matching up against cornerbacks, which if you saw Ahmad Gardner, Sauce gave him uh, a hard time. Uh, when they matched up and saw 6'3", he's a legitimate 6'3". I know that because I saw him at the combine. I stood right next to him, and I'm a legit 6'3", and he had me. So wow. he is extremely long, extremely physical. Like Guys like uh, you know the taller cornerbacks that are rangy could swallow him up on the outside. And if that's the case, then he might you know need to, to kind of move over to more of an Amon Ross St. Brown role, which I, I think that – he thrives it. I, I, nice. I think he's exceptional both inside and outside. Nice. Um, and also, jet motion is where you're really going to be able to get a lot of mm-hmm. Zay Flowers because if you see some of his short yardage touchdowns, and what I, what I love about him too, I don't. He's not going to be exclusively slot. I sincerely don't think he's exclusively slot. I think he. I think he ends up with a 50-50 or just a move role. Um, because of what he can bring if he gets singled up in man coverage in, in a bad spot, he's going to toast people. But, um, you know, keep in mind, he isn't just like a downfield threat. He isn't just running drags, just, uh, you know, slants. Um, in terms of his red zone acumen, he ha- he led the country 14 of 20 targets over the past two years. 70% of his red zone targets he secured. That was tops in, in the power five, excuse me, number one catch rate in terms of, because everything gets condensed in there. Right. And that's when you find out, all right, can you create separation where it's tight, where it's in close quarters and can you produce? 
and those whip routes, like you'll see him running those in, in the jet motion, um, just the creative ways, line up in the backfield, you know, getting them in, in sort of like a glorified extended handoff situations. Um, he's able to create plays and make people miss in every facet of the game, no matter where you, even if it's in, um, you know, a phone booth or if it's in space where he has space, you know, nice. room to work and manipulate his defenders a little more. So that's something you really want to keep in mind with him is he isn't just one of these open field guys. Like I, I'll use Rondale more just because he is manufactured touch. He is slot yeah. he is just, you know, he came into uh, the NFL with his final year was a 2.2 average target depth. And that's not what Zay Flowers. He does stretch the field. He does win downfield, but Six touchdowns as well in the red zone. Number three in the power five over the past few years. He is a, he wins in all facets. And that's why I think he will translate really well to the NFL game because he can be used in all different ways that you want to use him. Yeah, no, I, I, I love all of that. <laughs> you, you, you're starting to get me a little excited about Zay Flowers. What is his, what is his ceiling and what is his floor? As a prospect, what do you see? Ceiling, I, I would love like, you know, a, a, a waddle type. Oh wow! Jim okay, all right. Would be would be perfect. I mean, obviously he's he's a little bigger. You know, he's in that yep. one ninety one ninety five range waddle. But I just look at his ability to do just about everything. You know, if you want to yeah. go just run a quick hitch, he turns and faces you. And with flowers, you hit him on a quick hitch, he turns, faces, and if he's in a one on one situation, good luck. You're not catching him. He's making that first guy miss. He's not getting him every single time. He has that sort of short area burst, and as you said. You know, Twitch. So, um, you know, that's why I think really makes him different than those manufactured touch, the Kadarius Tony, the, the Rondale sure. Moores. Sure. Uh, I think he can do more. And I would like to see that ceiling be uh, a slightly smaller version of Waddle, but with that sort of an impact that he could have. And the floor? The floor would be, I guess, manufactured touch. Um, yeah. You know, wide receiver would be, you know, I would say a, a better version of Kadarius Tony, where mm-hmm. he just is strictly, that's all he can do. Right. I think he'll be like a, a, a souped up version of that, where you can play him on the field a lot more than five snaps. You know, I, I'd say that, it, you know, it would be more situational, but that he could at least log half the snaps uh, in a game and be able to get five, six targets. Where do you think he goes in rookie draft? Uh, from what I've seen, you know, and, and I've been made sure I've been keeping an eye on that. Nice. We're going right at the end of that, that for, right at the turn. That's right what I was the, wondering. The one-two yep. turn, that, that's what we're looking at. Personally, I have the uh, the two-three in my main dynasty draft with all my buddies from San Diego. Bottom line is I'm looking at that that two-three, and that would be a dream for me. Nice. I get Zay Flowers at the two-three. Like I'm spiking the football. Um, but I don't think that's gonna happen. I, I think he's probably like more one eleven to to two one is right around where yeah. he should go, in my opinion. And that's today, right? So landing spots are gonna make him either sure. you know drop to that two three or make him go even earlier. So Daniel Jeremiah is two which I've been citing for uh, almost a month now. Mocked him at. 29 overall in the first round to the Saints. If he Oh man, if he goes the same. <laughs> he went he went on to say that if Flowers was two inches taller, this is Daniel Jeremiah. He said if Flowers was just two inches taller, he'd be a top 15 pick. I completely agree. I think he's just he's so electric. Yeah. He'd be waddle then. He'd be five eleven. He'd yeah, be waddle. There you go. What do you That's think about him. that landing That's, spot? You love it? Be. 
Oh God, that would be a dream. Him and Olave, <laughs> you know, because then he doesn't have to worry. He could have Olave as a nice, more natural outside receiver, and he could play that catch role, and he could be very effective. That would be that would be magical. And unfortunately, <laughs> it would mean that I'll have to look at him at yeah. the one eight one nine yeah. range then, yeah. because look, we've seen. I know you've probably taken a look at a few of the rookie drafts. You've got post combine. It's it's the top four is set. That's done. Sign still delivered. Moving on. Most of the time, it's going J- JSN at five, and the draft kind of really starts at the sixth yep. pick. Yeah, but that, I agree. And from there, how do you feel about Quentin Johnson? How do you feel about Addison with his poor testing, which I kind of got into a little bit uh, with the four four nine, and and again, not a great jump number, and. Um, not big. So, like, how do you feel about that? Even though it was the Bletnikoff winner two years ago, he wasn't, you know, he got a little dinged up at USC, and does that bleed in? And then Quentin Johnson, he would disappear for stretches. Yeah, He'd have full games where I'm a college props guy. Everybody knows that. And if you don't, now you know. <laughs> come find me. Come, you know, come September. You're going to want to look at my feed if you're in a state that allows you to do college football props. But nice. Um, I faded a lot of Quentin Johnson this year, you know, and that's not something that you'd think, right? You'd be like, are you kidding me? Yeah. You're fading Quentin Johnson. He could be the number one wide receiver taken. Because you don't understand. He goes and has, you know, uh, he was having big games against some some down the board teams. And then he's getting aligned at, at a triple digit number um, against big 12 opponents. Well, that's a big, you know, he only went over a hundred yards, but I think, you know, out of 14 games, maybe five times. Mm. Right. So it wasn't like he's doing that every week. Right. And if he's getting a line that way and they're expecting to, that's, that mm-hmm. was a buying opportunity. And I cashed a lot of Quentin Johnson tickets because of it. All right. So he disappeared. This isn't Drake London. Last year, Drake London would get those extended handoff types, those quick hitches, just literally stop, turn, balls in his hands, and now there's a guy who's seven yards off him that is 185-pound cornerback and is 5'11", and he's going to go up against Drake London, and Drake London is going to physically pummel him. He's going to throw his face in the turf. He's going to walk over him, and that's 10 yards and a first down when he gets gang tapped. Like that's not what Quentin Johnson does. Quentin Johnson does the little shake. He does he does the comeback route and then he feels, you know, where's the defender, which hip, and then he'll turn to the opposite hip and he has that speed to to stretch it. But it's a different skill set. It's not a it's not a bully, a traditional right. bully skill set. And he didn't measure it at 6-4 plus like Drake London did. He measured it at 6-2 and a half, 208. So I just look at it being a different kind of guy and he doesn't run the 40, you know, maybe he's, I, I, he was originally lined at four, three, eight. He ended up settling four, 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 pretty much immediately. He went at six hundredths of a jump and he didn't run because even though his jumps were great. He doesn't catch outside of his frame the way that you want a big guy to. He doesn't attack the ball at, at its highest point. He kind of has tendency to fade, let the ball get into his body. So like all these sort of things I look at and I'm like, you know, Okay, so it's so he's five nine and a quarter, and he's still ten pounds heavier than we thought he'd be. He's one eighty two. He's not one seventy. You know, I think mm-hmm. I think he's going to have enough based on what we're looking at, based on you know the the modern receivers and what they need him to do. I think he can do what they need him to do in a, in a fashion where he's at the Saints one oh nine one ten one eleven. I think he has to be he has to be considered in right there with Johnson and Jordan Addison based on that landing spot. Love it. Love it. Getting more and more excited about this player. What would get you most excited as far as a landing spot? Like I put him on the Saints. That got you pretty excited. Is there a landing spot that do, just would make you go nuts? I mean, 
Sure, it'd be great if he like ended up on the Chiefs, but I don't think that's a reasonable possibility. You know, I mean, guy, you you pair him up with with uh, with Pat Mahomes and, and watch the Magic. They already got their session plan, Sky Moore. He know? actually then, he actually came out and said he wanted to be a Chief. Oh God, don't I read I read that right before this show. Don't do that. If he goes and if that <laughs> happened, it'd be just. <laughs> Because then you can go, all right, a year of Kadarius Tony, and then he goes bye bye. They don't owe yep. him anything, anyways. Yep. He's just a guy. Um, Watkins gone, uh, but then you know, I get it. They want to sign a free agent, but come on, you know, I, that would be amazing <laughs> if he went with Kansas City. Amazing, but I, I feel like that's simply that's getting my hopes up a little too much. I, I don't think that's. I don't think that's probably realistic. All right, let's swing it negative because I like to show both sides of the player. Now, I know we talked about his size, but there's some other stuff too. What are some concerns you have with this player that could impact him in the NFL? Catch rate, you know, his his drops, 11% drop rate. Yeah, and nine drops last year. You're not going to – you can't be dropping the ball. I, I did watch a lot of his film. And I can say some of that's concentration drops. Mm-hmm. You know, there's definitely that element. Another one's like he, a couple of them, he'd leave his feet where he didn't have to. Where like, I feel like he could have run through it and kind of did a little, you know, a little gazelle leap sort of a thing. And then that kind of caused him to sort of be in the air in Rick Shev's hands. But I, I feel like um, his, I think it was like seven and a half percent drop rate he had in 2021 off the top of my head. And he wasn't quite as bad. I, I, you know, I feel like with his athleticism, that's something that he should be able to square away. Um, but you know, I, I, I am loath to say that somebody, oh yeah, he'll just be better at catching the football. <laughs> when is, will he? That's part of projection. You know, he has yeah. to get better at that. That is something that is. Obviously, you can't have a double-digit drop rate. You can't. Well, he said, he, said yeah. he wasn't in the best situation, right? You said his quarterback wasn't the oh, best, God. so like you know, maybe maybe he needs a guy to puts it in puts it between the numbers. I go as far as say one of the worst situations in, yeah. in the Power Five. It was a bad. It was a pretty bad situation. I'd say out of out of sixty nine uh, Power Five QBs, because <laughs> it just so happens that's how many Power Five teams there are. Uh, I would say easily 45 to 50 range in terms of quarterback overall situation while he was there. That's pretty bad. Yeah. That's not good. Yeah. Especially over the past two years, it's probably like 60, yeah. <laughs> 62. <laughs> it was real bad. The last two years. You mentioned, oh. you mentioned, you mentioned Devonta Smith being like the gold standard, especially with like his long arms and, and, uh, and just kind of like busting the mold of a smaller wide receiver. I just looked um, just out of curiosity. There were people that uh, made comments about his hands and his arms. <laughs> his arms are in the eighth percentile eric he's got little little arms <laughs> that's right that's right he's the dill t-rex i get it, it it's, what? it's fair yeah so so again not trying to we have to project mm-hmm. here we have to talk is like does that this is this is something i've never mentioned on a profile ever but eighth percentile really? anything yeah oh well, well is that a off, big deal well as receivers are more we said separation twitch speed yeah, yeah. Um, change the direction oriented like he's going to have smaller lighter guys and at 29 and a quarter inches that's right there in the khalil shakir range from mm-hmm. last year got gradually more and more snaps he saw in the playoffs yes he got a pretty good amount of work yeah he really um, did uh for the bills looks like he could be ready to assume that cole beasley role um in addition to that wandale robinson had even shorter arms than him 
Oh, wow. So with Wandale Robinson last year, I want to say he was like 27 inches even possibly. Hmm. Um, he had really short arms. So he, and you saw, even though he got dinged up again, he was, he was injured. Uh, he had a couple of very promising games for the Giants before he got banged up. And frankly, he's, you know, his, uh, like he had like a three game set where he was very promising. And that's really kind of what showed them that they didn't need Kadarius Tony anymore. So like with those guys, you know, sure. He does. He have short arms. Yes. But look at those, you know, slot receivers who don't have the 33 inch arms that have been, have been able to carve out roles. And I think will flourish over the course of the past couple of, um, of uh, classes. Now, I don't know how long his arms were, but NFL scout Derek Cleason compared Zay Flowers to Emmanuel Sanders. Thoughts on that comparison? Uh, well, obviously, Emmanuel Sanders had himself a pretty incredible career, mm-hmm. and that would be uh, that'd be wonderful. God, if you get you get Emmanuel Sanders, his prime out of Zay Flowers, well, isn't that worth a first round pick? Oh hell yeah. All right, Eric, before we move on to our final two questions in this profile, is there anything you wanted to say about Zay Flowers? By the way, I can't believe I never called him Zay Jones. I knew in the back of my head, I'm I'm going to call him Zay Jones one time all night. And I did just now by saying I'm surprised I never called him Zay Jones. Uh, Is there anything else you want to talk about Zay Flowers before we move on to the last two questions? I guess an anecdotal piece of... uh... Yeah of uh, a chat i was at the shrine bowl and as anybody nice. following the process knows yep. zay flowers committed to the shrine bowl first and stuck with it where the more high profile event was senior bowl but now he's stuck with the shrine bowl and i got to interview a lot of guys there and one of them i interviewed was christian young christian young is a safety for arizona he is training with zay down in florida at their postseason camp you know where they're doing all the training and all that and getting ready and he was actually housemates with him and he said that Zay Flowers was the guy who would be there. Like it's it's six a.m. Oh, you know, nice. it's time to get the road work in. You know, C.Y. That's, that's his nickname C.Y. That's what I'll call him. C.Y. You know, would be sitting there. He'd want to hit the snooze button. But Zay Flowers would be the guy who, you know, in a good way, would have that positive energy. Be like, let's go, guys. Time to go to work. You know, we're out to get drafted. We're out to get paid. Let's do this. Nice. And he would be the one that was out getting everybody fired up at 6 a.m. to go and do those morning workouts. So in terms of, um, Love it. you know, off-field stuff, you know, like Love hearing it. that. And that was something that Christian Young just offered that to me. He didn't say it was he's, awesome. he's from Arizona. I wouldn't have put those two things together. <laughs> but he awesome. really offered it. He was just like, oh, yeah, Zay, in terms of character, in terms of like him wanting to work, in terms of wanting to be great, he's one of those guys who's a motivator. He's a guy who is intrinsically motivated. He's keeping everybody else up, keeping everyone else hyped and is not afraid to put the time in. So when you hear things like that about guys, you say he's too small, you say he's five, nine and a quarter, 182. Well, when you know that he's out there and he's putting in the time, he's putting in the work and he wants to be great and he's got that already. Well, then those are the guys I want to invest in. Oh, I love it, dude. I love that you ended his profile on that, too. I am now officially all in on Zay Flowers. <laughs> that is awesome. Like, who is, if it wasn't Zay Flowers, because these are our last two questions. If if you weren't allowed to pick Zay Flowers, who is your guy in this year's draft? Somebody that you can just say, you know what? That's a solid pick. You can't go wrong with that pick. Oh, my guy is Oklahoma University wide receiver Marvin Mims. Nice. And I have been an absolute Marvin Mims mark uh, since he came out of high school. He's actually, you know, 
I'm surprised I haven't heard more of him, but he's actually the all-time leading single-season receiver in the history of high school college football is Marvin Mims coming out of Texas. And he went to Oklahoma University, and the way he was used – you know, by Lincoln Riley at the time was he really spread the ball around a lot. And he's 5'11", and he's 185. He's under similar size mm-hmm. uh, there as a, even though I kind of comp him a little more to, to Jahan Dotson is who we kind of, I, I get kind of that vibe off of just because of amazing ability downfield. But um, Mims is a guy that I had as wide receiver nine pre-combine. Mm-hmm. Had him as a top 10 wide out in this class. Love him. Um, I've had him, I have him in C2C. I took him. Uh, in 2021, my first ever C2C draft, it was an invitational of a bunch of guys around the industry that after the Fantasy Football Expo, which I saw you at, yep. we actually drafted because I talked to those guys. It was post-Expo C2C draft. I took Marvin Mims in the fifth round with a 58th overall selection. Nice. So I was on, I was a big Mims guy. I actually took Charbonnet in the fourth round. So I actually went fourth, fifth, Charbonnet, Mims. So it tells you how I feel about both those guys and have for not just for a long time. And as we just talked about, look, in the C2C world, one, two years is a lifetime. Oh, yeah. Okay, it's a lifetime in terms of the, <laughs> what, what changes in terms of who is, is valued where. I actually went on C2C and went through that entire C2C Invitational 2021 first round, and it was a it was a quarterback graveyard. DJU, Spencer Rattler, Matt Corral, Sam Howell, like all these guys with like uh, Malik Willis. They were the first five quarterbacks taken. Were all the, those guys, and all of them are done. Those guys, yep. toast. Oh, absolutely. And that was a C2C first round format in 2021. Two years down the road, everything changes. The point is. Uh, two years ago, I was on Marvin Mims, and I'm still on Marvin Mims. Runs a four three eight forty, uh, goes and does a thirty nine and a half inch vertical, ten nine broad. All of these are ninety fourth percentile or better numbers when it comes to his actual production. His production is even better. Forget about the like the workout. I, I wasn't even worried about the workout because I've seen <laughs> what he does, and you got to nice. watch him go because production wise, his ability to make plays downfield is unparalleled, and that's not an exaggeration. Nobody. Nobody in FBS had more, had a higher percentage of their receptions go for 40 or more yards. 16.2% of Marvin Mims's receptions went from, were explosive, explosive plays. Wow. 40 yards downfield. That's far and away number one in the FBS. Far and away. Um, in, in addition to that, that's not, I mean, yards per target. 13 and a half yards per target over the past two years. All right. So this is not just last year. This is over the last right. two years. This numbers is that is number one in the country as well. All right. So every time he's targeted, he's converting those opportunities and he's doing it downfield. Like, even though he's five eleven, that's kind of the knock his size. Again, you hear, you know, you're going to hear it about this class in general, Downs, Addison, Flowers, Mims. Um, th- that's even on the running back side, a chain, you know, Gibbs, Spears, Evans, yeah, good point. Uh, all of them, smaller, smaller yeah. guys in this class. So uh, you're going to hear a lot of that. But with Mims, he wins just like John Dotson, who's 5'11". Last year, he was a downfield weapon. That's how Mims wins. And a lot of it, you know, he's, he's half out of the slot. He's, you know, he's, he's out wide a lot. You can kind of do both. Um, he's really a weapon in both facets. But in a little a little more so than, than Flowers, where he's more just kind of, you just want it in his hands. 
Mims is a downfield weapon, and he's and he's a, a better route runner. He's a little more technically refined. Than I think he's getting credit for because he wasn't asked for to do a, a real varied route tree. But um, he got a lot more looks this season after Lincoln Riley left and went to USC uh, under new offensive coordinator at, at uh, Oklahoma. Jeff Levy had a thousand yards. He was in terms of thousand yard receivers in college football. He only needed eighty six targets to do so. That was the least targets mm. needed. Wow. To get a thousand yards of any wide receiver uh, in the 2022 uh, in the entire nation. So when it comes to on a per target basis, when it comes to when he gets the opportunities, he does it every time he's doing it at Oklahoma, did with two different quarterbacks, uh, three different quarterbacks. Yeah. Yeah. Spencer Rattler, then Caleb, and now Dylan Gabriel. And uh, I have him, especially after his, his just otherworldly combine performance, I have him as my wide receiver uh, six. Oh, up from nine. Nice. Marvin Mims is on my C2C team, Eric. Fifth round. Fifth round. Fifth round. See, he dropped. See, he went fifth from 2021. Yeah. Uh, preseason 2021, I got him the fifth. He, he actually, his star dropped a little bit because yeah. he didn't get the kind of usage that he predicted after a huge breakout freshman year. So that's a great value play. And now, you know, I, I think he probably ends up in the late second, early third range. Yeah, you know? that sounds right. I, I can't see him falling out of day two. That's a pretty nice return on your investment for an eighth round pick. Yeah. All right. What's the one guy you think in this year's rookie draft that everyone's going to overdraft? Without a doubt, Jalen Hyatt. Ooh, give it to me. Jalen Hyatt in 2021 and 2020 had like 250 yards receiving each of those first, each of those two years, those first years. Yep. Now he was a track guy coming out. He was a high four star. You know, everybody knew about him in Tennessee, but he was the pre-Hypel regime. He was recruited by Jeremy Pruitt's staff, and then Pruitt gets fired. And Josh Heupel, uh comes in, offensive genius, guru, former Oklahoma quarterback, former uh, Mike Leach sat under the air raid learning tree and dominated at uh, UCF, goes over there to Tennessee and opens things up. So in 2021, Heupel comes in, it's year one, Hendon Hooker uh, takes over. Mm-hmm. Excellent, excellent downfield passer. Thirty-one to three touchdown interception ratio. I think he's he's truly should be a second round uh, dynasty pick in this draft. I really believe that. I think Kendon Hooker will pay you back if you miss out on one of the top three guys. Then down the road, I, I think that's a good idea in the mid second. But so he comes in, and in twenty twenty one, you know, this is his second year. It's time to show out. He still only has 250 yards receiving, and he's just basically used out of the slot as a deep mm-hmm. threat decoy. He's not running a, a large route tree. He's basically just running slants and flies, you know, uh, out of the seam. And it's Cedric Tillman, who I have ranked ahead of him and just behind Marvin Mims. I, I, have, I have Mims and Tillman pretty much my co-number sixes. I, I love both of those guys. But um, Cedric Tillman was the guy for Tennessee. Jalen Hyatt barely got any looks because – Cedric Tillman went out there and got 20 targets and went for 200 yards against Georgia's 2021 defense and lit on fire. Kelly Ringo who's probably a first round uh, corner, you know, and is a prototype at six, one, two, 10 for like big corners went and smoked Kelly Ringo. Darian Kendrick had his turn. He, he, they took the top off of him. He got it too. Like Cedric Tillman just went and abused the best defense that I've seen in the past decade. Only one that I've seen is close, probably Florida State from their title year. But like we're talking about George's defense, he didn't didn't matter. He got twenty targets. He lit them up. <laughs> so like he did that to everybody. He's doing it against the SEC teams. Tillman got hurt early on in twenty twenty two. Yes, he did. 
He doesn't get hurt. You're not talking about Jalen Hyatt. He shouldn't have won the Blitnikov anyways. But um, if if Cedric Tillman doesn't get dinged up, then I, I just I wonder what that looks like because he gets hurt and he still gutted his way through it. He still played through a foot injury, which those yeah. are awful. And still, like he missed some games, missed time, couldn't do what he wanted to. But like that's a guy who's a warrior and another type guy that I want on my team because he, he went and battled through it. And sure, he was compromised and you saw it on tape, but what does he do out at the combine? He showed out. He was a 93rd percentile score, uh, athleticism-wise. And just because he's a fourth-year receiver doesn't mean he can't bring it either. So I just look at Cedric Tillman, a guy who I know and I watch week in, week out, because as you know, Fanero, I am – I when – when I get this, you know, you guys, a lot of people that draft people, that's great. You know, I, I love the draft. I, I love all of it. But when the bullets are flying is what I'm here for. When it's the season is happening, when, it, you know, we don't have the luxury of hindsight, when you have to predict what's about to happen, I'm better than anybody in the world at college football props. And that's, that's FanDuel, DraftKings, that's them setting the lines and them telling me what they think it is. And I beat them to the 68% tune all year wow. long. Wow. For three straight years. So this is what I like to do. This is what I love. And the point I'm making is on a per week basis, week to week, not in hindsight, I'm watching these guys week to week. You can't sit there and tell me that Jalen Hyatt is better than Cedric Tillman because he isn't. Because I watched it happen week in, week out, and he's not. And there's not the level, the way he's winning Jalen Hyatt is not the way that the dominant projectable way that I see Cedric Tillman winning. It's a way it, it's a John Ross speed oriented way. And he's not even doing it from the outside. He's doing it from the slot. So he's not as shifty. He had zero contested catches last year. Zero. The man is a slot receiver with zero contested catches. How can I project a guy like that who doesn't win when it's tough to win? Was just creating separation based off speed and based off unfavorable matchups for slot corners. I can't back that. So that's my guy that I think is overrated. I love it. Eric, we did something right tonight because we covered almost the entire wide receiver class on this profile. I freaking love it. I love your passion. I love the way you brought it. Thank you so very much. I appreciate you for joining me tonight, man. Um, Please tell everyone where they can find you, your content, anything else you want to get out there or promote, man. Well, first off, I want to say this before I go. In 2018, the first time I had anything to do with any fantasy anything was when I met with Mr. Finero and, and the Dynasty Football Factory crew yes. back in the day in Vegas for the FFPC, where I drove out there to say hi to these guys to be like, yeah, hey, man. I want to do this and I want to write. And they allowed me to write for free on College Fantasy Football Matters. My Now a guy who's my good friend, a close friend of mine, Kyle Francis, nice. was the guy who, uh, who was checking my work to see if I was worthy of bringing on board. He, he gave me the go ahead, which I appreciated. And, uh, you know, the, the first, the first live airing, I think it was with you. I was on with you guys. And yeah. then my first podcast was with Jason Dirienzo. Yes. Yes. Who Great guy. I'm going on with in two days on Wednesday, I'm going with him and Brandon Lejeune. Love so it. So I get to see you and I get to hang out with Jason over the course of uh, a 48 hour period. Two guys that, that literally, quite literally, I broke into the business with. So uh, uh, I appreciate you, Finero. Thank you for having me on. You know, I always course. love talking with you and swag. Oh, not as much swag. Swag's such a deal. <laughs> 
<laughs> but uh, I appreciate Rookie Fever. Appreciate you. I hope I get to see you at the Fantasy Football Expo. Oh, you will. Like I have the past two years. You will. Where hopefully I'll get you to play. Where, where I, I I got a I got a special <laughs> I got a special little uh, little game that I that I, I asked Bob Lung for. Oh, nice! I, I think we're going to be having a wiffle ball home run derby. Oh, I would love that at, at the. Uh, well, I mean, if we're going to have cornhole, then every, everything's on. Let's go. Yeah, Give me the home yeah. run derby. Everybody loves. Oh, absolutely. So I can't wait. Wiffle ball home run derby, <laughs> and then the it, it's a twofer home run derby, and then the Froton Challenge. Where I was a collegiate pitcher. I don't know, you guys, nobody knows that. But no. You can see this in the background. That's my dad. He was a professional baseball player. I oh, was damn. born on a mound. Yeah, I'm a pitcher. <laughs> I, I still play softball. You know, I've been doing it for 18 years. But um, I was born with a wiffle ball field in my backyard. I am nasty. <laughs> with, with a wiffle ball in my hand. I so got to see this. The, I want, so I, I made this whole pitch where, okay, we got the. <laughs> We got the the home run derby, and then after, if somebody really wants the test, somebody wants to step up and take the Froton <laughs> Challenge, I'll give everybody, I'll give as many until my arm falls off, which is probably about 10 batters I probably got, maybe 12. <laughs> I, I've simulated at bats for the first 10. You know, we'll start with a 0-0 count, have simulated at bats, and I'll run through as many guys as I can. So that's I the love, dream. I love that's the, the sound of that, the Froton <laughs> Challenge. I love it. <laughs> Well, good stuff, buddy. Uh, I appreciate you. I can't wait to see you in August. Oh, thank you again, Eric, and thank you, our listeners. This is the Rookie Fever Podcast. Please do not forget to rate and review, and do not forget to be awesome. Yeah, I get a fever that's so hard to bear, Rookie Fever. When you kiss me, fever when you hold me tight. Fever in the morning, fever all through the night. Sun lights up the daytime, moon lights up the night. I light up when you call my name, and you know I'm gonna treat you right. Rookie fever, when you kiss me, fever when you hold me tight. That is something you all know Fever isn't such a new thing Fever started long ago now Who got the one-on-one scouting has never done this stupid throw and run I told you anyone Size and speed just on real landing spot Not ideal Wait, what's this breakout age for rookie fever stage? Romeo loved Juliet Juliet, she felt the same When he put his arms around her He said, Julie, baby, you're my friend I'll get a fever When we kiss it Fever without blaming you Fever I'm a fire Fever, yeah, I burn for soup Got the fever, cause I got the fever, now you got the fever, so she got the fever, and she got the fever, no cure for the fever, so let's feed the fever, thank God for the fever, thank God for the fever.